Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you navigate confidently through your own personal Lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work for Lyme disease. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 126 with ketogenic expert Maria Emmerich. Also with me in the studio is our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you'll learn about Maria Emmerich's new book, uh, how to heal your mitochondria, specifically with your diet, and how your hormone levels feed into your circadian rhythms and overall health. You know, Aurora, I'm really excited about this interview and Maria's new book, The 30-Day Keto Cleanse. It even got your mom on board. <laughs> Did it really? Yes. So she's doing the keto cleanse. I'm so excited. Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, that's great. Awesome. Yes, because she's, I've gently asked her to change her diet over the past couple of years, and she's always responded not so gently. Mm. No, thank you. <laughs> it's some, something awesome. changed. I, I, I left the book around and she picked it up. And so it's mm-hmm. a very wonderful book. It's very how-to. It's got all kinds of great recipes. And Maria, it's just so much fun to talk to. So anyway, this is, yeah. I really love speaking with Maria and I'm happy to have her back on the show. Also, if you head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and check this episode out, you will see on our homepage, we have a short email course on genetic nutrition. Uh, just sign up for that. It's one of the buttons right underneath the, the main image there, the main episode. And also, if you would be so kind to subscribe to Lime Ninja Radio, there are three levels, uh, $4 a month, $8 a month, or $12 a month, and we call those the ninja level, the sensei level, and the daimyo level. Daimyo essentially means lord, means you own us at $12 a month. <laughs> it's such a steal. <laughs> we would appreciate the support. Uh, it costs yes, us about $300 a month just to keep Lime Ninja Radio on the air and every little bit that you contribute helps. So if you have that in your heart, please head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com. You'll see the contribute button or subscribe button, excuse me, uh, right on the homepage there. All right. And thank you uh, to Jonathan, Gwen, JC, James, Joanne, Matt, and Adriana for subscribing to Lime Ninja Radio. Uh, Your support means the world to us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, Aurora, why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Maria Emmerich. Maria Emmerich is a wellness expert in nutrition and exercise physiology. She shares a passion for helping others reach their goals of optimal health. She struggled with her weight throughout childhood and decided enough wasn't enough. And so she decided to study health and wellness so she could help others stop wasting their time. She's an international best-selling author of the Ketogenic Cookbook. She also authored eight other books, including her newest book, 30-Day Ketogenic Cleanse, Reset Your Metabolism with 160 Tasty Whole Food Recipes and Meal Plans. Thank you, Aurora. And here's our interview with ketogenic expert Maria Emmerich. Maria, welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. I'm so excited to have you back on the show to talk about your brand new book, The 30-Day Ketogenic Cleanse. Well, thank you so much for having me back on. I'm really honored to be a part of this group. Oh, that's so nice to hear. We are <laughs> we we are a fun group of ninjas here. <laughs> that's right, the ninjas. Now, you've got a lot of cookbooks out there, and so a lot of basic knowledge on how to cook ketogenic. Why did you feel you needed to put together a book about doing a 30-day cleanse? Well, it was hard for me to pick what I should call this book 
because it's more than um, a cookbook of recipes. It's a recipe of how to heal your mitochondria through not just food. It's through not just what you put on your skin, but I do talk about that. But it is talking about how to heal your mitochondria with, you know, light therapy and grounding to the earth. Think about how often people actually touch the earth. Um, they get in their cars and they drive to work and then they sit at their desk and then they drive home. Right now I'm looking at snow and I'm not touching the earth, but I have a grounding mat that helps me. And it sounds a little, um, people think, are you talking about like spiritual grounding? And I'm like, no, um, I get into how the mitochondria is 90, over 90% water and how you can negatively or positively charge um, those cells um, just by touching the earth because there's a magnetic pull, you know, mm-hmm. and just like little things like that on how we can really enhance our body. Cause I'm getting a lot of clients that come to me that they get their mitochondria tested and they're very damaged. Oh, wait a and, minute. How do you test your mitochondria? Um, there, you know, there's, it's getting to be really quite popular through blood tests and stuff like that. Um, so that, uh, I, I personally have not have it done, had it done, so I can't tell you the, you know, but it's, how, a, it's a blood test. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yep. And it's getting more and more common. Um, but you know, like some of the, and I talk about the, the main causes of mitochondrial damage. Yeah. Um, statins are one of them. Those really? are one of the huge, yeah. Uh, that's why your muscles get sore, huh? A- absolutely. And you get tired yep. because. And that's where the mitochondria is where you oxidize fat and get energy from. Hmm. Um, so, th- you know, just diving down into how can you heal yourselves besides food? Because I work with a lot of people that do exactly what I say. We just need to take the next step of getting rid of a lot of the topical chemicals that they're using, um, the types of like the type of water that they're drinking. Um, a lot of times they're bathing or swimming and um a lot of chlorine and how that affects your liver. So just healing from the inside out. And I also discuss exercise and how to do that without causing a lot of um, cortisol and how to work with the hormones and kind of manipulate your hormones to just, you know, it's just a baby of a book to me. Like I put everything, I put my heart into that book. (laughs) That's yes, I can tell it's, (laughs) thank you. I've got, a hundred sticky notes sticking out of this. And I don't think we'll get to all of them, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to work my way through the book here. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I wasn't, I was going to start more with the diet stuff, but since you jump right into the mitochondria, I'm fascinated by mitochondria and mm-hmm. probably I'm a little late. I'm probably like 20 years late to the party. Oh, on this. never late. And they're, they're pathways that the body uses to feed the mitochondria, to give them mm-hmm. the fuel that they need to, to create the, the ATP. Yep. And, you know, we kind of think of sugar and carbohydrates as being the main sort, the, the pyruvate pathway that gets in there and then the alpha-ketoglutarate and whatever else goes on there. But there are other pathways, and there's the protein pathway, which we don't really think about burning protein as fuel. You can. It's, it's like a last-ditch thing mm-hmm. that the body trying mm-hmm. to survive itself. And then there's the, the fat pathway that, yep. that comes in there. And really, you know, in, in the diet world, you hear a lot about, oh, you want to become a fat burning machine. And really, that's what they're talking about. But yeah. in, in normal health kind of things, they don't talk a lot about this. So why, why to heal your mitochondria do you recommend a ketogenic diet, which is essentially a fat-burning diet. Oh, man, there's so many reasons, some of which are, it's so less, um, you hear about free radicals and this oxidative stress. Um, when you are, you know, a sugar burner and using that for energy, you're using, you're creating a lot of um, free radical damage. And because it's, you know, the whole pathway of making energy through, um, being a sugar burner is totally different than, you know, burning fat for energy. It's very aging to burn um, sugar. It's very aging um, to actually burn protein because it takes a lot of energy um, to do that where 
um, you know, a ketogenic type diet is so easy on your cells. And that's where, you know, it helps, you know, keep that mitochondria young and youthful and healthy, um, you know, much more different than <laughs> eating those carbohydrates. That's for sure. It, it's funny because you don't hear about really fuel, particularly what we're eating in terms of burning cleanly or, or dirty burning. And, mm-hmm. you know, since I moved out here into the, the central New York and mm-hmm. people have wood stoves and you actually have to get your chimney cleaned and stuff like yeah. that, you understand whether or not you're burning good wood or bad wood because the yeah. bad wood really gunks up the chimney. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of leftover ash. There's a lot of leftover sap and just, it, you know, it becomes dangerous at some point. So clean burning versus dirty burning means a, a lot to me. And how how come, <laughs> I mean, how come we feed people all these low fat, high sugar, high carb diet kind of stuff? And then we've got rows and rows of anti-inflammatories, Advil and Tylenol <sighs> and acid. You know, it's, it's insane. Yeah, I know. But I feel that um, we're so tied up in that with our economy that if we would totally, if, if everybody started a ketogenic diet, I don't know what would happen. I mean, our world would fall apart. So let's be the pioneers. And <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's okay. If somebody doesn't want to believe you, just let it be. <laughs> okay, great. Just kidding. Now, what is a ketogenic diet? Just the postage stamp. Because I think at this point, most of my listeners have an idea of what it is. But you talk about having a well-formulated ketogenic diet. And I think there are people out there who have heard about a ketogenic diet and then attempt to do some version of it and fail in some way. Yeah. Um, Well, we all know that sugar is inflammatory. I mean, we all agree with about that, right? I do. (laughs) Yeah. And what a lot of people don't understand is even a complex carbohydrate diet. Once you put that food into your body, it is, your body isn't that complex. It breaks it down into sugar. That's what it does. And you, you know, ATP and energy, all that you were talking about. Um, but what a lot of people don't understand is excess protein. You can't store protein. There's no, you just can't. And so anything in excess is going to turn into sugar just as if it were a carbohydrate. And so what's left, there's only three macronutrients, carbohydrates, protein, and the naughty F word fat. And so, a ketogenic diet is a high fat, moderate protein, very low carbohydrate approach. But if you are doing a ketogenic diet for weight loss, you have to remember that you will utilize your fat cells to create ketones. So you don't have to eat copious amounts of fat or get your percentages in if, if in fact weight, you know, weight loss is your goal. And it's not for everybody. That's not why my children do ketosis. They, they don't need to lose any weight. They're gaining weight and thriving um, on a ketogenic diet. But it depends on what your goals are. So that's why I wanted to touch on that. Um, so for somebody, of, who's, for somebody who's already thin, like a lot of people yeah. with Lyme disease seem to uh, go through burning some protein and, and really burning through their fat and are quite lean. So yeah. w- you have to get your fat from somewhere. Oh, right. So in that case, I would, you know, make sure that you're getting copious amounts of, you know, fat to maintain your weight. And, you know, calories do count. You know, some people think that you can eat all these calories and they don't matter on a ketogenic diet. They do. Um, my boys were actually underweight when um, they came into our lives. They're from Ethiopia and they're now thriving on the growth charts, doing fantastic um, just to prove that you can, you know, grow and gain weight on a ketogenic diet. Um However, I, I was going to mention lean people. You were talking about how with limes, a lot of times they're very lean. A lot of times I meet people with type 1 or type 2 diabetes, and they're very lean. Um, you don't have to be overweight to have diabetes. Um, and it's often called the Asian paradox, where they eat a lot of white rice. Like, why can they eat a lot of white rice and not be heavy? And I feel that when people gain weight, it's almost... Um, helpful because we're a vain society that wants to not be overweight where if we're thin I worked with a type one that she told me that she wishes she gained weight when she cheated because um 
that would help her to stay on the diet if she would have, if she would gain weight, but she never does. And so she cheats all the time and she was having strokes and, oh, wow. you know, it's so, you know, sad how we're a vain society where if we gain weight, we'll change something. But if we're having strokes, we don't, you know, it's putting on fat is an inflammatory state. A, mm-hmm. right. And then if your body doesn't have that, I'm going to call it a protective mechanism, then the damage is even amplified more. So yeah. the, the, the body will, you know, even if it's something like heavy metal poisonings or some other toxicity, toxicity, the body will store that in fat, will create fat to encapsulate it and get it out of the way if it's not able to detox it at the time. So it's, you know, it's, it's crazy and it gets down to really healing on a cellular level. And that's a brilliant segue, I must say so myself, into a section you have in your book that's called healing on a cellular level. And there you get into some interesting things. You're talking about light. You're talking about hydration. You're talking about getting grounded, which we talked about a little bit earlier. And then number four, you say chilling out. So what are these four parts to healing on a cellular level? Well, the chilling out is probably my favorite part. I, <laughs> Why am I well, not surprised? <laughs> I do love, um, you know, have, ha- hanging out on the beach, but I love to be outside and I'm a big fan of cold therapy. Um, and I didn't always know why until recently. I've always been into ice baths for, I mean, even before I was keto, I, I would do ice baths. And I love to be cold when I sleep. I love to sleep in the winter with the windows open. I've um, uh, camped in snow caves where we built caves and camped in them when it's, you know, 20 below. <laughs> um, I actually did that for college once. Did um, you really? Yeah, yeah, I actually got credit for that. Um, <laughs> I want to go to I that never, college. <laughs> I know, right? Well, um, I got to sail. I got credits for sailing, so. Oh, that's pretty cool, too. Yeah. Um, but I love to, um, you know, do that. And we even have a cooling, uh, mattress, um, to help keep the body cool at night. Um, but part of that is again, creating that negative charge of your cells. Again, that water in your mitochondria can be negatively or positively charged. And Ice cold water is going to give it that negative charge. People are often really concerned about the alkalinity of their body versus acidic, yep. acidic type of environment. Yep. Well, that is really hard to control unless you do that negative. I mean, your food really isn't going to influence. Your body's really good at keeping it at a, you know, a good alkalinity. Um, but you can change the negative charge on your cells and, Cold therapy is just one of them. No kidding. I didn't realize that's what it was doing. Yeah, like drinking ice water. I used to like to have a cup of tea in the morning, but now I just wake up and I crave really cold water. And um, I love to swim in, you know, the ice cold um, northern lakes up yeah. here. And <laughs> that's just how I roll. I would prefer to do that than swim in a pool any day. I'm not there yet. <laughs> but one thing that so I coach lacrosse in the spring and it's cold. We've got games where we're playing in in below freezing weather and it's yeah it's, you know we're standing around standing around for two hours two and a half hours will chill you to the bone. But what I found so what I used to do when I first I was a southerner I was grew up in in Washington D.C. so I moved up here to the cold north and what I used to do is try and layer up but layering yeah. up is not a good strategy. And eventually what I figured out was if I started in the fall, instead of fearing the cold, going out into it, right, the whole epigenetic things, like my body would begin to shift. And I've been a lot warmer Mm -hmm. since doing that. So I'll go out of my way. Like today, it's 25 degrees and, you know, a little blowy and snowy and uh, I I didn't wear a coat to work, so I'm sitting in yeah. my I'm sitting in my car for about. It's a very short commute, so don't worry about me. Uh, but it's you know it's about ten minutes in the car, and it's twenty two degrees in the car. Yeah, know? and so you're sitting there and you're getting a little chill on it, but it yeah. helps. It helps. It does. It, it makes us stronger. And I was just listening to um, a man speak about how. Um, I think he was uh, doing Mount Kilimanjaro and he said he was naked. I don't, I think that he was kind of, you know, <laughs> teasing about that, but he was talking about how 
we are in environments where it's always 70 degrees. We have, or, you know, even warmer than that sometimes. Right. We have, you know, air conditioning in the, su- in the summertime and then we have heaters in the wintertime. Thankfully, my dad is a plumber and heater, so I'm not bashing that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we need to push our limits and that actually makes us healthier people. And even, um, looking into Crohn's disease and things like that, it's, when we're in a constant environment, it's making all of our muscles weak, including ones with digestion. Um, so it's just a whole nother level of healing rather than just focusing on food, just diving into, you know, let's look at the mitochondria. How can we heal it? Yes, food is going to influence that. Um, but so is how we touch the earth and how we, you know, get light therapy, getting that sunlight into your eye is so healthy for you. And um, to digress a little bit, I love um, on the History Channel, there's a show called Alone. And these people are out in Patagonia right now. Um, and one of the men was put on the side of a mountain where he got no sunlight. And for 35 days, he was getting really depressed and upset. But he could see if he made a raft. These people have nothing. They're put out in the wilderness with a video camera and I think they get like a survival item so they have to catch their own food and stuff but he made a raft and he crossed this river so he could have sunlight every day and he just weeped with tears of joy when he got into sunlight and you know it's sad how little we get outside and right now I mean I'm watching the wind blow and bluster but I usually um, I, I get outside every morning to jog and then in the afternoon I take my boys for a walk if it's if it's below zero, we might skip it that day. But I do crave being in the sun. And if you look at your animals, um, we have a dog that lays in the sun all the time yeah. in the house. She'll find a spot and just lay right there and just soak it up. You know, it, you've got me thinking about, so in yoga, there's the sun salutation. Oh, yeah. And in Chinese medicine, there's this idea that the emperor sits south, you know, face or sits with his feet on the ground and his head held high toward the heavens and he's facing the south. So, of course, what he's doing is he's sitting in the sunlight, right? <laughs> and and it's such a simple thing that I think we figured out or we believe that we've moved beyond these, and I'm going to call it technology, these simple technologies. We We are of the earth. Mm-hmm. We did not, we're not put here by aliens. We, we evolved here with the earth. And there are parts of us where we're plugged in. I mean, literally yeah. plugged in. Our DNA is designed like this man weeping. He's not, he's weeping because it feels good. His body's telling him, yes, you did the yeah. right thing. It's worth all that effort you just put into building a raft and crossing the river and do it again. I mean, that's what the weeping's about. The body's saying, yes, please do yeah. that again. And we forget simple things like sunlight. And we've yeah. got our computers and so we've got blue light uh, all day long, all yes. night long. We, yeah. you know, you talk about losing our ability to be in different climates, uh, you know, the hot and the cold. You've talked yeah. about losing our literal connection with the earth. And, and now you're talking about we've lost our connection with the sun and the moon. Yeah. And we, I mean, to speak to those terms, we wear sunglasses with UV blocking light. And I, was in a yoga class where a woman um, was, I was mentioning how something about the sunlight and stuff. She's like, Oh, that causes you know, glaucoma, glaucoma yeah. or something with the eye. And I was like, well, no, that's sugar. And she's like, what? <laughs> she just didn't want to hear it. Um, but you know, like what did we do before UV blocking sunglasses? So there's a whole like, you know, Paleolithic days, we never had that type of stuff and how we're blocking it. And then we come inside and we get all the blue light and it's just totally messing with our circadian rhythm. Um, and even the iPhone has gotten on board and they're, they have settings where you can. That's right. The um, bedtime setting or whatever that is. Yeah. Right? I mean, so it's just nice that it is coming into awareness. Um, but it's something that we should all be really limiting and trying to get more sunlight limit the blue light right once you and and 
Oh, we're going to get on on one of my soapboxes a little. That's we okay. Are, actually, we're we're actually on it. We're sharing the soapbox okay, here. The other thing that happens in temperate climates. So this isn't so much for people who are down by the equator, where you know day and night are basically the same time all year round. Yeah. Up here in the north, and mm-hmm. a lot of people. I mean, really, it's you notice this even far south. You know, as Atlanta, where the days get shorter and longer, but really more so up in the northeast and in the Midwest where you are, and and up in the plains. The the difference between winter and summer is oh my gosh. marked. And that is another pattern which we've been able to completely ignore. So it used to be wintertime was dark and long and cold, and you would reduce <sighs> your activity. Yeah. And you'd sit at home and write your book. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a time for reflection. Yes, yeah. and recharging and rebuilding. Yeah. And then we wonder why. I'm going to just do it in terms of Lyme disease. We, we we get hammered down by an infection and we don't have the reserves to fight back from it. And that's part of the reason is we're, we're I've been using analogy recently of cruise controls. Like we're going cruise control through life. And as long as things are going okay, we're okay. But if yeah. we have to stop for some reason and we, you know, we get sick, something happens, we don't have enough energy to get back up to speed again. And then we're just struggling through life after that. I say, what happened? Well, we've been hollow the whole time. It's just that there's so much momentum keeping us going that it, it was an illusion. Right. Our health was an illusion. And I hear this all the time. People say, oh, I'm healthy. Okay, mm-hmm. tell me the drugs you're on. And they list 20 drugs. I know. Oh, I that's know. not healthy. I know. I, I've heard that... Um I won't say who. Someone in my family will say, well, I would change things if I weren't healthy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Let's get into, you have a little page here that I've got one of my sticky notes that says, how to heal your mitochondria. And you have actually morning, midday, evening, and bedtime suggestions. Mm -hmm. Now, why is it split up like that? Can't you just, you know, do some things well all day long <laughs> it's a lot about hormone manipulation and um, things like you know cortisol and serotonin and melatonin those are all hormones that you want high during parts of the day and you want them low during other parts of the day um, like cortisol is naturally high in the morning and it should fall throughout the day um, and this is why if you do love to exercise, which I do, it's one of the ways to build mitochondria. It doesn't have to be something that you despise. I want you to find something you love. I had a client who she hated to exercise, but she loved a hula hoop. And she had one <laughs> rocking body by hula hoop. And let me tell you. That's great. She was, yeah, she was an actress in um, L.A. And she she rocked it with that hula hoop. And, you know, she's like, I'm not going to force myself to do something I don't like. And I was like, absolutely. Um so exercising in the morning when cortisol is naturally high rather than in the afternoon after work. A lot of people, they bring their gym bag with them and they go to the gym and run on a treadmill and look at a television for, you know, 40 minutes or whatever. And that's when cortisol should be falling. And if you're raising that again later in the day, um, you know, it's you want to work with your hormones. So that's why I talk about when it's most advantageous to do certain activities. Um, and, you know, like in the evening with the whole melatonin, you want melatonin to rise so you can fall asleep and stay asleep and get great sleep at night. I got to tell you, if I am at a wedding or a party or something, and I get poor sleep, it affects my mood, it affects the way I eat, it affects, you know, how much I eat. Um, they studied um, people with chronic sleep deprivation, and that was, um, I think, six or less hours a night, and I get people that are always sleeping that six or less, and um, it basically makes your cells look like a diabetics, and you... Um, you know, you, you process those carbohydrates not only differently, but you look and loathe at those carbohydrates differently. And I got to tell you, if I get a poor night of sleep, I'm like a bottomless pit. I could eat all the time. <laughs> I could. Right. Well, you're trying to recover or something, right? Trying to yep. quick energy because the hormonal 
energy isn't there. This messed mm-hmm. up or something like that. You know, it's 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 fascinating. They did a study. They right. These are oh, you, know, I know. you say these things because you don't remember the details, right? They did a study on. It was a study done on professional soccer teams in Europe. And what they found was that within that pattern, you're talking about the morning cortisol, there are some mm-hmm. some natural variations. And they found teams would have preferred times. So some teams did really well, like early day games, like noon, one o'clock, and others did better later on in the evening. And mm-hmm. it really affected their ability to win and lose. So this yeah. this hormonal thing is 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 really truly important and what what do you tell your clients because i have a few patients of my own and i know talk the limey people are awful because the their, <laughs> their cortisol is upside down and they've got high glutamate yeah. and they can't sleep and so they go in front of the computer and they're up to 3 a.m studying yeah. you know something like that but i have patients just i just can't wake up in the morning it doesn't yeah. matter what time i go to bed at night i just their cortisol just doesn't rise so what do you say to people like that um, there are different types of things you could look into. I would look to see what their ferritin level is. I know a lot with limes, they, their ferritin levels are often low and that's, you know, how you get oxygen to the mitochondria. So you do can create energy. Um, there, how do you feel about different like adrenal supplements to help with producing cortisol? I mean, um, I, I just like I'm fine with it. If if you have a gland that's not producing a hormone, it's like you need the hormone. No. So mm-hmm. obviously, but, it'd be better if you can bring the the organ back online, so right. it's producing it on its own. But if you know, if you're a type one diabetic, if if somebody figures out a way to heal the pancreas, great. But until then, you need some insulin from somewhere. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so that's how things- that's how I feel about it. Okay, I didn't want to go there if you were, um, you know, like different natural things like licorice root or things like that can help. Um, but also, uh, you know, different habits um, can help. And that's where maybe you don't have to, you know, jog in the morning, but start, you know, doing different yoga practices to help with your different type, your different glands, you know, there's different um, moves that would help with that. So it's not just a one answer I have for it. It would be like multiple things that I would do, um, including like getting that mitochondria really healthy so you can get some energy going. Um, I, I love L-carnitine, the amino acid that helps with energy just to actually help you get up rather than using caffeine as a um, a waker upper, um, mm-hmm. just because that has different adrenal issues with it in general. Um, but you know, different things like that, I would recommend for sure. Taking a nice cold bath, um, ice bath <laughs> would really wake you up. It, it, it certainly would. <laughs> so basically, I mean, I'm, I'm going to put words in your mouth here, but you're saying if you have that pattern, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed. This is not something that said, Oh, I'm just not a morning person. That's just the way it is. I'll stay up to, you know, I'll stay up to 3 a.m. and, and then sleep until noon. You're saying that in and of itself is a no. sign that you're not healthy. Yeah. And again, your melatonin is going to be really low, especially if you're, you know, staying up and then you jump on the computer and work and things like that. So you may need, um, you know, melatonin that you're not producing for a while to help you get into that proper sleep and balls in motion, stay in motion. If you're getting good sleep, um, those, those balls stay in motion. And I get in the same habit where I get in a pattern of really poor sleep and I'm like, man, I just need to get on the sleep train because I I'm off of it. And you know, it's really difficult to get back on, especially if I'm working on a project. I'll get up. I'm notorious for getting up at 3 a.m. to work because I have things on my mind and I just need to write them down. Um, but I really prefer to be on the sleep train where I can sleep until 5.30 or something. No, I go to bed quite early so I can get up early before <laughs> my kids. Well, that's, uh, that's an old pattern, right? You go to sleep after 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 dinner. Very yeah. close, especially in the, in the dark of winter. And oh then, yeah, and then you get up really early. You know, yeah, that's you know that's. I love mon- that quiet morning. Yeah, it's a monastic life, basically. <laughs> 
Now, let's get a little bit into, we're going to go past all the serious stuff here, and we're going to go to, uh-oh, I think I lost the page. No, uh-oh. There it is. Into the recipes. Oh, fantastic. So I was My flipping through the recipes, and I just have to say, this stopped me dead in my track, and it's Sloppy Joe's. Oh, slop the Sloppy Joe. Yeah, I grew up with Sloppy Joe's. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a Sloppy Joe in I don't know how long. So now I'm going to pass this on to my wonderful daughters who cook very well, and I'm going to have a Sloppy Joe. I'm so excited. Awesome. Are you German at all? No. No. Okay. Um, because why do you, sloppy, why do you ask? Well, there's sloppy odos in there <laughs> as a that? twist. <laughs> That's the German version um, using pork, oh, and then okay. you put some sauerkraut on there for oh. your fermented veg. All right. Um, and some of my dairy-free Thousand Island dressing, and it's a sloppy odo. That's a German sloppy Joe, and uh, that I mentioned the dairy-free because the whole book is dairy-free. Really. And nut-free. Yep. Wow. And why did you decide to do that? That is, uh, those are the two common foods that I see people, like I talk about a well-formulated ketogenic diet. Uh People snack on nuts and cheese and they think that they're keto. And first of all, nuts and cheese are constipating. um, And that's something that people complain about with keto. Um, And also dairy for the majority of people that I see it's um, raising their blood sugar, even if it's you know lactose-free. Um, it's holding them back from their weight loss goals. It's the most common allergen I see, but even if you're not allergic to it, it's often you know very hard to digest if you don't have that really healthy gut. If you have acid reflux or indigestion, it's most like mostly um, most likely dairy wow. causing that issue. But then nuts. Like the almond flour, the nut flours, the almond butter, and all of those, people mistakenly subtract fiber from the total carbohydrates. And so if you're making almond flour, you know, donuts or muffins for breakfast every day, you're probably, if weight loss is your goal, probably not um, gonna reach it as fast as you could. Um, but also if you do have any sort of, you know, Crohn's disease or any gut issues, nuts are actually really hard to digest. So that's why I really wanted people to heal as fast as they could. Cause I really do care. I want people to be successful. It makes me sad when I hear, Oh, I tried keto. It didn't work. But that's why I really wanted to write a book that was dairy and nut free but had really tasty recipes. I'm notorious for Victory Belt is my publisher, and they are always like, Maria, you have to cut out 50 recipes because this book <laughs> is too big already. So I'm notorious for pushing the limit. A lot of times you'll find a cookbook with only about 125 recipes. I'm known to have almost 200 in all my books, but that's because I love every recipe so much, and I want you to really be successful and like the food. Um, and that's why I, <laughs> I'd rather have you have so many recipes at your fingertips and be like, I'm not going to eat bone marrow. It's still out there. It's an option. It's really easy to make and it's very ketogenic and it's really a creamy, wonderful option when you're trying to cut dairy. A lot of times it's more about the creamy texture that we crave with dairy. So I worked a lot of, I mean, I spent so much time creating these recipes that had that creamy mouthfeel. If you've never had Greek lemon soup, the avinclado soup, I don't even know how to say it right. That soup um, uses a technique where it creates a very creamy soup um, using yolks of eggs. So you get that nice mouthfeel of like a creamy cheese type texture without using any dairy. But that's where bone marrow comes into t- play, too. It's such a creamy texture that we, we crave, you know? Well, that's, I think bone marrow is one of those things that 
it's the equivalent of if you and I've never had it. I've got to try it now that you're bringing it up again. <gasps> to, to bring to mind two stories. First, your, your man out in wherever he was who built the wrap to get in the sunshine. I think yeah. bone marrow. If if somebody had that in the right context and they didn't know what it was and didn't have to oh. break the bone and suck on it, it would be one of those events where they would weep with their their DNA would weep. The oh, mitochondria absolutely. would weep, weep with joy. That was uh, one it, of my baby's first foods. Really. Yep. That's so and I, yeah, I would, uh, make that and it's such a great, it's like, uh, puree for a baby. It's perfect. Yeah. And, and then they just, uh, they, again, here's the they found in a cave somewhere in Europe that the, the Neanderthals practiced a little bit of cannibalism and how they knew that was because they were breaking the big bones to suck the marrow out. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's so it's been a food for. I'm not recommending cannibalism. Don't get me wrong. My point is, human beings have been eating bone marrow for oh, yeah. a very, very long time, and we just we just stopped cold. Yeah, you know, we've lost. We have lost touch. We have lost touch with what nourishes up us and what feeds us. And I think we're trying. You know, we're trying to replace it with with with. I don't want to say this. I don't want to be too mean, but uh, and I yeah. do it myself. But we try to replace it with herbs, and whether it's a Chinese herbs or whether it's a, a yeah. Western supplement or something like that, we're trying to replace a lot of this nutrition with plant-based stuff, and it just isn't the same. It just no. doesn't work in the body the same way. So no. get out there, break some bones, and suck them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, I know you've got a ton on your plate. And probably a thousand other interviews today. So uh, oh, I'll let you go. And let's just go over the websites. How can people get hold of Ketogenic Cleanse, the 30-day Ketogenic Cleanse? Well, um, you can find the book on you know Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, maybe your local bookstore. Ask your library to carry it if you can't afford a book. That would help me. You know, that's, I love the library. You go there all the time. But otherwise, if you're looking for more information on a well-formulated ketogenic diet, I do have a blog with free recipes at mariamindbodyhealth.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook where I love to answer questions or concerns. Um, at, it's Keto Adapted on Facebook. I or haven't I'm visited also, you on Facebook. What's wrong with oh, me? Oh, like me. It's keto. I know I should be the same thing, but it's keto adapted. Okay. Um, and also I'm on Instagram at Maria Emmerich. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you have like video cameras in your kitchen to record everything you do? Or do you take notes? So like how do you get all these thousands of recipes? Oh, that's so, <laughs> you know, I just love to, I mean, I love to teach my boys how to cook and uh -huh. we're always trying new recipes. So instead of having the same chicken recipe, we just, you know, dive in and try a new one. Um, and do you take and, notes? I mean, I, oh yeah. Uh, yep. And then I have recipe testers to make sure that we aren't the only people that like them. <laughs> so that's, I do that all the time. Um, but I how can, also, how can you sign up to be one of your recipe testers? Do I have well, to move? No, um, I. You know they're online, and um, two of them live very close, so I can send them food to experiment with because it does get expensive. I mean, I spent a hundred dollars on a prime rib. Wow! My husband came home with it, and he said, "Don't mess this one up with a smirk." <laughs> and you know what? No, it up. no, I because I was so distracted. It was right before I was bringing it to my parents' house and I was just kind of, you know, a little anxious about going to the family <laughs> over the holidays and yeah. things like that. And um, oh. I kept having in my head 170 degrees. Right. And so I had a thermometer in there and no, the oven was 170 degrees. I wanted the internal temperature to be 115. Oh, so no. that reverse sear prime rib was not pink whatsoever. It was well done, huh? Oh, and there's nothing worse than a well done prime rib. <laughs> oh, but you have to be willing to do that stuff. You, I know. You know, it, we joke, we joke around here. We, there's some books out there. Uh, ab about the actual cost and kind of city people going in the country and growing tomatoes and things like that and growing a thousand dollar tomato and oh boy it's yeah you know, we're so used to cheap food but being on our farm and just all the work you put into growing your own food food isn't cheap 
No. Food is not cheap. And no. we, we are spoiled by being able to run down to, you know, and a, a dollar for an avocado. It's like, okay, that's a good price. When it goes up to $1.50, I'm thinking, well, do I really want that avocado? Yeah. I mean, what went into bringing that to my grocery store? It's like, it's way, there's no way. It's like, if I wanted an avocado first, I'd have to build a greenhouse. <laughs> so, anyway. For sure. So it's just, yep. I know it's, it's so tough. You know, life is can get so expensive, and especially when you're chronically ill, there's no oh, income yeah. coming in, and yep. so you do the best you can. The best, so basically, really, with a ketogenic diet, if you start simply, I had a patient today, bless her heart, said, you know, I finally got serious about getting the sugar out of my diet, and I feel mm-hmm. so much better. If you yes. just start with the sugar, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Baby steps. It was for me. It wasn't easy for me. It, it was a. I mean, I. I was, I lived overweight for over half my life and I, and it, it's actually expensive to eat that way. It really is. I mean, chips and cereal, it's all very expensive. And I, you know, to prove my point, like looking at, um, not only my, but my clients, um, food, um, budget, uh, a lot of people are saving, um, this one girl in particular, she buys top fret, top, like grass-fed meats and organic eggs. And, I mean, she spends a lot of money on the quality of her food, and she still saves $2,000 a month than she did when she was vegan. But that was because she was always hungry, and she was a very good vegan. She ate fruits and vegetables, but she said she had to eat all the time because she was always hungry. Wow. Where with a ketogenic diet... It's very satisfying and yeah. you don't need to, I mean, intermittent fasting is so easy and it helps purge those damaged cells. Yep. You know, when we get into longer fast, which is much easier to do when you're not on that blood sugar up and down of being constantly hungry, when you can keep your blood sugar stable, it's easier to fast and intermittent fast. And that helps when you get into longer fast, it helps purge those damaged cells so and longer lives, meaning yeah. longer meaning a week, three days, three, after okay. three days you get into autophagy where it's actually purging of bad cells. So, and then you want to feast. Well, you don't want to get a pizza. You want to make sure you <laughs> feast. Well, a, a nicely done prime rib. <laughs> ah, yes. Right. Beautiful. Well, Maria, thank you so very much for sharing your expertise, your knowledge, your joy for cooking and uh, ketogenic diet and what it can do to you. And diet's the wrong word, but that's the word. We I know have. the lifestyle, right? Yeah, exactly. And lifestyle's so wimpy. I mean, lifestyle I sounds know. like I don't know. You you know you dress up as <laughs> you know a comic book character or something. But it's, it's, it used to be just life, you know? You wouldn't, it's just, if you were certain Plains Indian, you ate like a Plains Indian and everybody ate ketogenic because that's all there was. But anyway, no use crying over spilled milk. Yeah, right. So I'll, I'll try again to say thank you and goodbye. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) It seems to be very difficult to do between us and that's wonderful. It is. Thank you so much for having me on your show again. I, I'm honored to be a part of uh, the ninjas. Oh, you're very welcome. And write another book soon so we can talk. (laughs) Oh, it's already getting there. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right. Have a great day. You too. I love this interview. You know, something that you two touched upon fairly early, fairly early in the interview was um, about how much literal grounding you know, putting your feet on the ground can do for your health. And it's something that I've noticed out here. Um, cause you know, back home, I could run outside in the all, all throughout the summer. It's like, I know I couldn't do that during the winter, but all throughout the summer, I would run outside in my, in my bare feet. Um, and I can't do that out in California. And I really noticed like I miss feeling the ground sometimes. It's, it's, it's very interesting. You know, we have a, I sleep on a grounding sheet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it got lost, let's say <laughs> somewhere in oh, the no. house. It went through the wash and never made it back into the room. So we had been mm-hmm. using regular sheets for a couple months 
And, you know, it's just one of those things, one more things. Okay, you're going to spend the time to go find the grounding sheet. And the answer was no. And finally, I made it a point, put it up on my to-do list. Okay, where's the grounding sheet? So I found the grounding sheet, put it back on. And I tell you, it just feels better. Mm-hmm. It just It's a more deep, it's a more restful sleep. And I, I think it's a more restorative sleep. I don't have any numbers or science to back that up. Um, personally, so they can't say, oh, yeah, it was a miracle, and my blood pressure came down 20 points and so forth and so on. But it just helps calm me down anyway. And I've heard other people say the same thing. And the science, there is a little science and research behind the grounding and, and the earthing products in, in particular. And it seems intriguing. We have done a couple interviews about earthing. Uh, and it comes up from time to time in the interviews. So, yeah, it's being connected to the ground isn't just psychological. There's something bioelectrical going on when you're being nourished with negative electricity, little electrons to go in there and uh, act as antioxidants. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'm not surprised. It's like, yeah, it makes total sense to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, the uh, funny thing too, when I was studying with J.R. Worsley in England, and this is 25 years ago or something like that, he made a funny comment. He said, you know, when you open your clinic, you should have natural shoes and be on the ground floor. Now I have to go see a man about a dog, which is a polite way of saying I have to go to the bathroom. And so it was just the weirdest comment, and it stuck with me forever because it just is like, why is he saying that? And then later when I learned about grounding, it was like, oh, my goodness, there's probably some science behind what he's asking to do. And I bet there's some science behind like doing Tai Chi and things like that outside that Mm -hmm. really just entertains you while you're spending some time grounding. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Treat yourself like an emperor to refer back to the, to refer back to the interview, right? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And one of the great ways to do that is get down to the seashore in salt water and that is just absolutely restorative. I mean, you can't really ground yourself any more than that, than being in water and salt mm-hmm. water particularly. So if you can, get outside, get your feet in the grass. Go get to your, the beach. Go to the beach if you can, absolutely. And if not, these earthing devices, they, they work pretty well. They're a good second substitute. And I just want to remind everybody we have, this was our second interview with Maria Emmerich, and the other one is number 106, and we'll put that in the show notes, and we'll also put some information about earthing in the show notes as well. So if you're just interested about that, learning a little bit more, go on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com, scroll down to this interview, number 126, click on that, and you'll see the show notes. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, we'd appreciate it if you would support our efforts by subscribing. Go to LimeNinjaRadio.com and you will see the subscribe button under the featured episode. Yes, we really appreciate all the support you show us, the emails we get from you and the the financial support too. It's very much appreciated. Thanks, Aurora, for that. And lastly, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast could not be complete unless we left you with another Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know in ninja school, ninjas learn to ski uphill? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.